0: I'm Julian Brandt and you're listening to Scouted Chains. Hello everyone and welcome to Scouted Says. Hope you've really been enjoying those Scouted Football Handbook 3s. That's what we're here to talk about today. I'm Jack Grimsey. I'm joined by Matt Santangelo. And Matt's a Calcio expert. He's been providing a lot of knowledge to the Scouted Network over the past, what, couple years. And he's once again given us a wealth of knowledge on some of the top youngsters playing in Italy in the scouted football handbook. How's it going, Matt?
1: Pretty good, Jack. Thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, yeah. Pleasure to have you on. I know you were on earlier in the in the year in the fall. I think I, I was not there for an episode, but you were talking with Steve and I think Connor as well. So glad to have you back.
1: Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I think the last time I was on, it was, uh, I think, after a Milan-Roma match. I think it was me and John Solano, actually. We were kind of just going back and forth more on like an actual match in the teams itself but you know it's great to be uh, on to talk about some of these specific players because obviously as many of us know in the scouted football network there are plenty of young talents to keep an eye on in Syria and that's pretty much why we're here
0: yeah it's it's really impossible for one person to to do that and that's why I think scout is so great so many contributors from all over the place and more sets of eyes on more games uh Syria probably your specialty so um I think we can start with that. I guess um, we're just going to recap a little bit of what happened this week. As it was a really emotional day in Fiorentina after the passing of Davide Astori, and they were able to get a one 0 win. What were kind of what were your thoughts on that? I guess
1: you know it's it's been an emotional week. Um, you know, I, I remember last weekend waking up to like kind of like one of those messages, like a push notification came up, and I was kind of just blown away by it and, and it kind of taken back because I didn't. It just came out of nowhere, and I think most. People would agree, you know, that it just kind of was just a big stun for everyone, and you know, just to see the the people come together this past week all over um, outside of Italy, even, which has been really great to see. It just gives you an idea of how beautiful this game is and how unified this community is, despite you know maybe some people, some players, not you know, going up against our story. But, you know, through the great grapevine, they've heard some great things about him. And we obviously seen all the social media posts from Buffon and and guys who were around the national team really praising his character and all these things he's about as a man more more importantly than a footballer. So just to see them pay tribute this uh, this past week in the UEFA tournaments and, of course, this weekend in the early morning game with Benevento and Fiorentina... A yeah, great tribute. It was, you know, very touching, and they done it. They did a fantastic way of of, of honoring him. And you know, I just think that's kind of one of the things I, I do love about this game so much is that you know, aside from rivalries and, and and you know, performance on the pitch, there's there's the the human element to the game that we sometimes tend to overlook in a game where there's so many numbers, there's so many you know, transfer fees, you know, big money moves, and things like that. It's great to see you know us come together as a football football community all over. And just really honor the man because he was was a uh, a true um, a true leader, a true father, and and someone who really is a, a beacon of of class and, and character for everyone.
0: Yeah, yeah, undoubtedly. And really, what struck me in the thirteenth minute, they did a um, kind of a moment of respect for him with a, a tifo in the curva, and it was really amazing. On Twitter, I was saying, "Oh, how do you?" play football again after this like holy cow it was really powerful and then they end up winning vitor hugo at what the player who replaced him right scored a header mm-hmm. and he's number 31 he was number 13 w was and yeah but i was also making sure to check out this game to get a look at federico chiesa who was written about by stephen canavis so uh, our boss over there stephen scouted follow him on twitter quick shout out to him yeah <laughs> <laughs>
1: Yeah, you know, with with, with Chiesa, um, you know, he's he's been one of those players that's been on the radar for a few years now. Of course, last year was one of the was one of his first seasons where he really got more than a, a little bit more than a sampling of, of top flight football. You know, obviously, since Bernardeschi left to Juve, he's been the kind of the guy of the next in line and really supposed to be, you know, one of Fiorentina's like crown jewel like guys to lead them into the next generation. And I think, you know, when you look at their roster, there are some talented players, but when you look at you know, specifically what we're talking about and is that under-23 bracket, there's really few players in Italy that excite excite us more than Chiesa. I think he's not only going to be a pivotal part to the viola moving forward, but I think he's going to be a guy that you're going to start to see him, you know, get in that conversation of uh, the, the, the senior national team. And I think that's very exciting as well with these friendlies coming up against Argentina and England. I, I'm curious to see if Di Biagio... Looks that route because I think you know as we're going to probably get into with cutrone and some of the others that lower that under twenty one bracket of 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 youngsters has quite a quite a few names to look at and Kies is undoubtedly one of the ones that we want to keep an eye on uh, you know over the next couple weeks when Di does come out with his uh, his roster.
0: Yeah, definitely, and I think that's one of the things that's been so exciting about Serie A this season. You know, we saw Italy missing the World Cup, unfortunate. But it's an opportunity to get some young blood into those teams and or into the national team and into some of these teams across the country. So that's what we're all about at Scouter Football. And it's it's been good to see that there. Um, a team that we've seen some emerging young talent come up through Sassuolo. They drew 1-1 with Spal today and both are really down there at the bottom of the table. So the relegation race is getting interesting, even if at the top Juve may be pulling away from Napoli, who couldn't do anything drew nil nil against inter but we're going to get back to that in a second matt i just need to get your thoughts on that ac milan winner the last touch of the game andre silva heading in the winning goal the only goal of the game
1: it, it was crazy you know and i i said in the build-up to this game that um you know as it, as the game was going on obviously you know for many who don't know who genoa is or, or you know what they're about they're kind of one of those teams that they don't score a lot of goals, and that's kind of been their their downfall this year. And maybe as to why they're not more in that mid table, and then maybe kind of flirting with the, you know a Real Europa League spot. Because as we all know, that sort of tier of of, of the uh, Serie A table has been kind of teams have been kind of creeping in and creeping out um, over over the course of the season. And I think they're one of the reasons why Genoa has been kind of staying afloat and kind of being, but also being somewhat overlooked. Is for the fact that they don't have many big name players, but you know, with the exception of maybe Mattia Perrin and net, who's been sensational after coming back from two major ACL injuries, um, they've only enter this, entering this game, excuse me, they only conceded 27 goals, which is only uh, only four teams have conceded less. So it gives you an idea of how tough they are to break down. So I, you, when you get when, when you throw a keeper of Perrin's uh, you know caliber in net, it's going to take something special to beat him. And sure enough, as you just said, last kick of the game or last touch of the game, rather. Sousa swings it into Silva, and Silva puts a great head on it. And, you know, what a way to get his first goal. I know he's, uh, he's been included in previous versions of this guided football handbook. So it's it's been interesting to see him, uh, you know, kind of go through his the, the ebbs and flows of, of a season when he did just obviously move over from Porto. When, the fact that he's able to get a goal of this magnitude when it pretty much came out of nowhere, I was looking at this match, and it kind of felt like a, a, it was going to be a scoreless draw. Luigi Ferrari Stadium is really difficult to travel to, and I think that's kind of been um you know a difficult venue for for many top teams in Italy, not just Milan. So when they were able to find the winner so late it was it was kind of felt like one of those games where it you know based on this season, how it's going, it kind of felt like all right, maybe this is maybe it's bound to happen, maybe it's destiny, maybe Milan are supposed to maybe finish top four, so it's going to be curious to see what the fallout is of this goal. But nonetheless, it, um, Silva gets the monkey off his back, and he gets his first Serie A goal after you know getting uh, quite a bit of pressure on Twitter from uh, you know rival fans, and you know the whole uh, Brignoli has more goals than Silva and things like that. So yeah, yeah now he has as see- has
0: many goals as the Benevento keeper.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's, <laughs> it, it was just great. It, it was just great to see Silva kind of get get that weight lifted off him and get a big goal for Milan, and, and more importantly, get the victory because obviously, as you just said, Inter Napoli 0-0 lazio dropped points and if it wasn't for immobile's last minute winner um they you know think they could have probably been having gained a little bit more ground but a good weekend for milan nonetheless and they do it in dramatic fashion
0: yeah and then with that the makeup game to be played against inter they're five points behind win the derby and they're just two points behind so things starting to get really interesting there uh milan passing sampdoria as well who got thumped really by crotone 4 one that was surprise result to me
1: yes samp is another team too that you know that we always you know i've been praising them the entire year before john paulo's done a fantastic job with that team obviously they have a they always have an influx of new names that come in through the team each year because they are getting they are one of those teams that can't really hang on to their big names they get plucked to their big stars every summer patrick Sheik scrodinger left last year both featured in this handbook as well but they do have some big uh, some talents to keep an eye on, of course torera Kanaski, just to name a few, and you know to see them the, the the stark difference between their home form and their away form it's it's staggering to say the least, and you 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 wonder if they were able to be at least half as good as they are on the uh, at home as the, or, excuse me half as good on the road as they are at home, where they would be in the table, maybe flirting with the top four, but to lose four one to crotone who. You know, they needed obviously a big victory today because they're in the relegation battle um, after such a crazy escape last year. It's kind of odd, but I think it's kind of been the trend for Syria. It's so difficult to predict who, what teams are going to show up each weekend, how matches are going to go out. And I think I guess it comes down to your know, football and that you have to play every game and you really never know how things are going to transpire. So, you know, to see a 4-1 uh, scoreline is pretty, pretty awkward. Yeah,
0: yeah. And as you mentioned, Sampdoria just... Just as good of a record as Napoli at home, both 10 wins, two draws, two losses. Napoli just one goal better than them and tied for the second most points at home behind Juventus. But on the road, Sampdoria all the way down in 15th with only 12 points picked up away on the season. So, yeah, as you mentioned, that's it's crazy how much it can fluctuate. And you've got a lot of Sampdoria players in here or and former Sempatieri players as well, but I wanted to go back to Milan and start with Patrick Cutrone, the 20-year-old striker. Who's he's a local lad, so that's I think that's always good to see, and they really love him at the Sincero.
1: Yeah, Cutrone is one of those guys. I think I, I I tell all my friends who are also football fans, you know, maybe not necessarily Italian calcio, but they like you know maybe English football, Spanish football, and I always tell them, you know, there's something special about seeing one of your own come to the system and, and and thrive and be a, a hero player, if you will. And Coutone has been nothing short of that this year, scoring big goals when they need them, winning games by himself, again, of course, specifically just to point out the uh, the Coppa Italia Derby victory over Inter, um, you know, last year, late last year. It's just when you see those moments about him, it's, it's kind of makes you love the player even more, more so the fact that he obviously is a good goal scorer and has that kind of and Zagy-esque type, uh, you know, mentality where he just seems to be in the right position at the right time. You know, beyond his goals and his his assist, there's this. You you know, he has a movement. He knows where he has to be. He knows where the ball is going to be. He knows what position he has to take in the final third. And those things are you can't you can teach them on the maybe on the training ground, but to have the instinct to know where to execute that and to make that happen throughout the course of a match. And to adjust, I think is a little bit difficult. And I think for a twenty year old to be doing that so early in his first year as Milan striker, I think it's a testament to what, you know, his his maturity is, but also the ability um excuse me, the work Catuso's done to kind of really elevate him. Because even under Montella, he was pretty good, but you're really starting to see the two bond together and Catuso sees something special in him and I think that's kind of Showing on the pitch that he's has that it factor about him that you can't teach, and when when you see some of the way he the way he carries himself, he's he's not cocky, he's 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 very confident, and he has a, a specific drive about him that you know it's it's easy to like him, and it's easy for for anyone to appreciate his play beyond goals. And I think when you see a guy so young doing it, it's very impressive.
0: Yeah, that's what you said. Don't focus on goals and assists, even though the numbers are there. And I really like what you said. It's pretty much when he's got it if he can play like he's good enough, you know, if he's old, good enough, he's old enough, whatever I'm stomping over my words, but yeah, it's, he it carries himself with kind of a swagger and it's almost akin to Kylian Mbappe. And, you know, his movement is unteachable as well. We saw him break onto the scene, I guess maybe a year before Kutrone, but among under 20 players, Kutrone was only second to Mbappe with 14 goals by the end of February Mbappe had 16. So not bad company for him. Um, yeah, in, in Serie, A, it's been six goals in eighteen appearances. But yeah, you said he's really shined, like in the Europa League and in Copa Italia.
1: Yeah, and, and I think you know, there's it's it's interesting too because you you for when you when you when you're looking at twenty, there's a lot of things you look at because you, I think it's kind of with the expectations we play we place on youngsters, especially a guy like Mbappe, of course, when he does make a big move, is goals, production, and all these different things, and I think. When you look at a guy like Couturone, I don't think many expect him, if any at all, to do what he's done this year. Again, Montella was blocked a loan move that he was going to go with for him. Um, Montella was, Mirabelli was going to loan him to Crotone, and Montella pulled the plug on it because he wanted to keep Cutrone and he felt that he was going to be a, a pivotal piece to the season, and he's been the best striker, hands down, for Milan, and I think it's kind of funny where in a summer that Milan spent north of 200 million euro, their best guy is a Primavera player who really was not supposed to be this pivotal to the team. And I think, again, it's just, it's, it's kind of thrown like a little bit more of an interesting narrative into the season for Milan. It's one of those things where it's like, you don't know what to expect next. I mean, you know, late game winners from Silva, a 20 year old leading the team, you know, it's just, it's just, that's what, that's what we love about football, right? The, 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 the mystery of certain things. And I think when you see a guy like him doing it in all competitions at different moments and winning the game by himself, it's, it's, it's something that you definitely have to keep an eye on. And, you know, that's what we hope to see, you know, down the line for the national team. Cause, uh, Lord knows the Azzurri needed.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they could definitely use him. I think it's only a matter of time because he is uh, Italy under 21 international with five caps and four goals despite never being called up to the senior team so far and proven himself at the U19 and U17 level as well. At at the U17 level, he scored 11 times in 18 games. So pretty good return right there for a guy that could be, as you said, leading the line for the Azzurri. And one of his, I don't know, any final thoughts on... Patrick Cutrone.
1: No, I, I mean, I, to, to, you know, to keep it short, I think he's. It's, I think he, he has another level to his game. I think you know there are certain qualities about him that you definitely love, but you do see that he does have room to grow, and that's what makes it fascinating for a twenty year old to be doing this well, but still has that room for growth. It's the sky's the limit for him, and you think that he can be the the you know the main striker for Milan for the next at least decade. And when you hear that, when you think about that. It's refreshing as a Milan fan because we've we've struggled with this area pretty much for the last since Ibrahimovic left. So, you know, it's it's great to see him kind of come to form and, and to really start to hammer hammer down a starting role uh, with the team. And you know, again, sky's the limit for Cucurone, and I hope that he's with this team for a very long time.
0: Yeah, exactly, because he could be a very valuable player and then not having to spend big money on a striker, that's that's always going to help you in the long run. Um, let's move on to one of his teammates, Andrea Conti, who has not played a whole lot for AC Milan this season, just five appearances because he's been injured, but he's in the scouted handbook, mostly based off of his performances at Atalanta, I think, the year before.
1: Yeah, Conti. So Conti moved over from 25 million euro, uh, moved over from Atalanta for 25 million euro last summer. He came in there with with quite a bit of praise and quite a bit of hype around him again, he was supposed to be one of those main uh, main components of the national team as well He's at that age where he is ready to go and play a role for the, his his country you know of course he had an unfortunate injury late in late in uh late in the summer he's been sidelined ever since and i the the one thing I will say about conti because i again i know he hasn't played that much is that calabria has been able to he's been because calabria's been pretty well in in in, in replace of Conti this year it's it's been given it's given Conti a little bit more of an extra time to kind of not be rushed back not be expected to play a big role in the team and have that pressure of 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 instantly impacting Milan because the expectations were with this Milan defense was to be one of the better best defensive units in Serie A you get Panucci you get Musacchio you get Rodriguez and you get Conti. you spent almost 100 million euro on four defenders so when he goes down you kind of Get the sense that okay, maybe Milan's defense is going to take a big hit, but Calabria has been pretty effective. In all things considered, so now that we're seeing Conti back, it gives Gattuso options, and I think over the next couple of weeks with these loaded um, the loaded schedules and of course the makeup games, they are still in the. Uh, of course, they get the Copa Italia final and the Europa League. If they could advance past Arsenal, there's going to be minutes to be there's there's minutes to be had for Conti, and it's going to be interesting to see what he can do with those because again, he doesn't have much much um, many games. Excuse me, uh, left in the season. But again, I think he still could play a big role in what Milan wish to accomplish.
0: Yeah, it's going to be like a new signing, I think, a little bit in some ways. And for the team in the second best form in Serie A, four wins in their last or four in a row, I guess, of their last five as well. Just one draw behind Juventus, who have won 05. Um, they they really need him to make that push, I guess, if they're going to try to go for the top four and maybe try to overturn that two goal deficit as they head to Arsenal.
1: Yeah, you know, and again, I think with with when you look at you, just how how many players Catusos had to use this year, Conti is going to play a role at some point, and I think what we're going to see is everything that I, I lamented in the, um, of course, in the handbook, which of course everyone should be download having downloaded by now. Um, he's a guy who can get forward; he can provide a little bit more of an, an offensive element to the team, and I think that's something that. You know, when you look at that right side of the of the field for Milan with Suso and you know, of course, Conti and even possibly Kessie. Of course, you look at the talent, you look at the youth, and I think that's something that's going to be interesting to monitor as well as how that how Conti's return impacts Cattuso's decision making on certain match days if he's looking for a guy off the bench with speed and a guy who can ta- uh, um, Excuse me, get forward. You know, and how he kind of game plans to to implement Conti. That's going to be one of the the biggest focuses for me down the stretch because I think Conti is a guy who, who when healthy, when on on his game, is one of the better right backs in Italy, and I think he has a lot to prove. And I think when when you have that, when you move over to Milan with that price tag, the expectations are high. So I'm looking forward to seeing Conti uh pay dividends in the next coming weeks.
0: Yeah, definitely. And we're just going to move a little bit down the table and talk about Cagliari and Nicolo Barella because. The relegation race is really heating up. There's what five teams within two points from 26 to 24 points, and then Verona right below them on 22 points. So outside of Benevento, there's still two spots, I guess, up for grabs in the wrong way, I guess, if you think about it. But yeah, I think Nicola Barella for Caleri is going to be crucial for them down the stretch.
1: Yeah, he's he's one of those players. You know, I've he's t- he's taking dramatic steps forward as a player over the from last year to this year. And I think he's one of those guys that you're starting to see his versatility throughout the season. You guy who could play pretty much anywhere in the midfield. Um, some kind of believe he, you know, could be like an attacking midfielder type because he does move pretty well. He has great balance, can pick out that final ball. But when you see the role he plays with Cagliari for a team that doesn't get a lot of goals, create a lot of opportunities, they really need. They really rely on him to be that engine, the guy that makes the entire team tick. So you're kind of seeing take a little bit of a deeper role, kind of be the orchestrator sometimes. But again, if it gets later and they need to chase a goal, sometimes he'll charge forward and try to make things happen in the final third. When you see a player like this and show show his versatility week in a week at, at this this young age,
0: yeah, he's twenty. It's, it's, That's so much 20. responsibility.
1: It's, it's it's twenty for a twenty year old to be doing this on a team that really doesn't he doesn't have many options around him. It's a testament to, to the quality player he is. Now, if we're, on the converse, if we're, on the, we're going to be talking about his, his possible future, because I know some people are going to be saying, well, if Cagliari can't stick around, is he really going to be, want to be a part of that when he's going to have you know, the, the, the Juves, the Romas, Milans, Inter's of the world looking for his signature and you know, possibly looking to get, uh, pay big money for him? Will he want to stay on for that? I think for me, if we're talking about what his future holds, I think he would be best suited to stay another year. Even if he go, even if he does move in a little bit of like a Caldara similar move, where he agrees to move in the next year and stays out with that with that team for that another year to kind of get that polishing and kind of round out his game, I think that would be his best interest. But again, when you have a guy like this who's this talented for Cagliari, they may not want to take that risk, especially if he has a drop in play, and of course if they do drop to Serie B that kind of may takes that may take a little bit of a hit on his stock. So it's gonna be interesting to see what his, his summer looks like. There's gonna be plenty of interest, I think, abroad as well. We're starting to see what what the market is for a versatile box to box midfielder. You know, we saw Kessier, we see it, you know, even with a guy like um, you know, Ryan Golden uh, Rajan Angolan, who's been, you know, obviously an older player, but those the guys are those elk, they, they they tend to get a lot of interest on the market because of what they can bring to a team and how they can open things up. So Barella is one of those guys I've been watching for for quite some time, and I think you know he's got a future in the national team as well.
0: Yeah, and when you have someone – and sorry, he's 21, not 20. That was my mistake. But when you have someone that young playing in Serie A, you know they're going to know tactics, so that can be really helpful if he's going to move to England, for example. I don't know if where the interest has been coming from, but could see him moving there and – like you said definitely a future with the Azurri he has 3 Italy under 21 caps and he's been getting 3 plus caps at every youth national team level since the U15s i think that that was included in the profile you did of him
1: yeah he and i think there's and i think he again he's going to be one of those guys like similar to Cutrone who i think sooner rather than later will wind up breaking into the national team fold even if it's for friendlies even if it's just for regular call-ups or, or camps and things like that i think Again, we obviously have to see who the permanent manager is going to be. That's also something to keep an eye on as well. But if we're talking specifically about these upcoming friendlies, I wouldn't be surprised to see Barella in that lineup. Again, who knows? Maybe DiBiaggio goes the route of bringing the older guys. We've heard about Buffon going to be there, Chiellini and some of the others who have been mainstays for the uh, national team for the better part of seven to ten years. But I'd like to see, again, the guys on this list Varela, Coutrone, get those minutes to train around those veterans, know what it's like to be on the national team, what it means to wear that shirt. I think that would go a long way for their development. Even if they don't play, getting that training, obviously, as you know, as a football expert yourself, it, 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 it looms large, especially for a guy who's so young to kind of be able to mix it around with a Buffon, mix it around with, you know, guys like Immobile, who's a veteran striker and killing it in Serie A this year.
0: Oh, yeah, what a goal today as well. Probably, probably the goal of the season.
1: Oh, absolutely. And I think those are the things you look for in, in some of these friendlies. I think obviously they have meaning, but you also want to be able to look for the future and calling up some of these guys who can get valuable experience.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Just being, like you said, just being able to mix it in with these guys, just getting into habits of very elite pros because Nicola Barrel is pretty good himself, but he's not playing at a top club. There's no hiding that, you know, so it's just being around those guys, you know how to become the best of the best. It just helps a little bit.
1: Oh, 100%. And I think, you know, when there's – at 21, you want to be a sponge. You want to be absorbing everything you possibly can. And again, some of these players, when I profiled them, obviously, I – there are still holes in their game. There are still areas they can improve. And I think when you get to a camp, a Corverciano and you're able to train with these with these veterans, you know, De Rossi, for in this case, Borrello, I'm looking at midfielders, There's De Rossi, you know, Parolo, and, and those guys – you want to be able just to be able to sponge and learn what it, what it means to play for the national team, the system, the tactics. So it's kind of a different breed. And when you look at the national team compared to your club team, the national team coach really is not so much relied on, in my opinion, to train these players. So it's important to be around veterans who can kind of ease you in and kind of help you grow and help you adapt from that club level to the uh, national team level.
0: Yeah, or maybe just see tiny things in your game. Oh, you're doing it this way. Well, it works pretty well, but if you just, I don't know, open your foot a little more or something. I don't know. I'm, I'm not a coach, so but things like that, you know, just little tiny twinges that can can really affect the game in a positive way. Um, yeah, let's let's move on to Sampdoria team we were talking a little bit about earlier, and Lucas Torreira, who is a fantastic central midfielder, and probably won't be there for too much longer.
1: Now he's his future is away from uh, Liguria. That's kind of undisputable at this point. I think you know, look the the, the progression we've seen with him since his Pescara days. I know you uh had, like you seem to like that team quite a bit. Um, you know he he's a guy that's he's grown with with each and every year, and he he's really for a guy who's only twenty two to be able to anchor a midfield in that way. It, it's it jumps off the page, and I think it's it's no surprise that some of these big, the bigger clubs around the world are looking at him again, you know, even earlier in the year, I mean, earlier, um, you know, earlier in the season, we heard rumors about Atletico Madrid, Barcelona having interest in him. And you, obviously you throw those team, two teams in t- with, along with someone's name, obviously you're going to start, you know, getting the, your attention you deserve. And sure, sure enough, he's, he's been every bit as advertised for Sampdoria this year, an overachieving or overachieving, excuse me, overachieving Sampdoria team this year. Um, you know, Being the field general, pulling the strings—you know—a guy who can really do just about everything at the base of the midfield. Difficult to dispossess, guy who is fearless going into tackles. He can can play the long ball. He can make that final ball. He can um, actually—you provide something in the attacking game as well. We've seen a couple good goals this year. One of them was the um, a a sensational goal against Juve. And I get—you're just starting to see a star be born. Um, at a team like Sampdoria. And it's kind of been the trend for Sampdoria. All these players, again, they, they're one and dones, but they're really becoming stars overnight, it seems. Grignard, again, moved over for one million euros to Sampdoria, had a great year, it was sold for 25, and now all of a sudden Manchester City and some of the other bigger clubs in Europe are after him. So it gives you a little bit of an idea of what Sampdoria are able to do with these young guys and where they're directing their scouting efforts. And I think, you know, when you look at his entire skill set and all the teams interested in him, it's it's... It's be, it's for a reason, and again, I, I I one of my favorite players in Syria, probably a next to Couturone, the, my most favorite player that I profiled. And you know, when you when you watch him, it's you get you get the sense of why I believe that.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. He's just been given a little more responsibility, doing it all now. Like you said, for Sampdoria, and finally getting a chance for Uruguay because he was called up to the squad for the first time from Oscar Tabra's. So doesn't have any caps yet, but will probably face the Czech Republic on the 23rd of March. So that's something to, to look out for is his international debut. And like you, you mentioned, that Pescara team, I was playing with him in football manager, got them promoted. I think also uh, Rolando Mandragora is in this scouted football handbook. I think Steve did that profile as well. Um, yeah, a lot of those guys are in Seriano, but...
1: I also think I also think it's worth pointing out real quick. I think it's going to be a great summer for a lot of players in this profile in this handbook. Excuse me. I think obviously Torreira is going to be one of them if he's if he can hammer out a spot for Uruguay and make the World Cup roster. Obviously, that's going to be you know a, a big. It's going to play a big role into maybe what his future holds and where he really lands. I think you know when you ever, we've seen it time and time again how. Younger players and you know players kind of kind of been overlooked at some point maybe where they because of where they play how they use these main stages like the Euro or you know the Copa America or you know in this case the World Cup to leverage that into a big move. We've seen it each and every pretty much each and every tournament. I think Torreira could be one of those guys where if he does play a big role for Uruguay, maybe gets a couple of appearances and shows some promise that he really kind of gets that little bit more of more that boost in stock and really jumps on the page um, as a well-known player not just a young prospect with potential
0: yeah i think if you score uh, a great goal and you're a midfielder like james rodriguez his value is skyrocketed at the last world cup obviously you're scoring bags of goals but i think if Torero maybe scores one or two teams will say "Oh, oh wow and really they'll be looking at Sampdoria, like you were saying there's just everyone is going there and developing and maybe moving on a year later but you just have to admire how the the club have been doing it i mean there's nothing in in their power to be able to make these players stay. They can't pay them huge wages to ward off Juventus or someone, but they're doing really well. And if I needed players, I would just look at who they had signed and say, okay, well, I'll let them develop for you in Serie yeah, and maybe sign them next year.
1: Yeah, and I think, you know, Torreya, you know, again, just to kind of wrap up what his future may hold, I think there's obviously... A possibility he does stay although i do think his set translates to obviously spain maybe not so much england because i think his his small stature may turn some teams off from paying big money i think when you look at you know everything he provides it's going to be it's it's you get the sense that he's going to have plenty of options plenty of suitors and whether or not he wants to stay in italy there's been talks with napoli being very interested in him. of course they have two guys pretty much on their current roster in his position in diawara and Jorginho. so that's that that storyline is going to be interesting to follow in the summer as well. If they're looking at a uh, a guy like a Regista, a defensive midfielder type, does that mean one of those guys is going to be sold? There's interest from DOR. There's interest from Jorginho. So that's something to keep an eye on. His agent's been very vocal about you know Napoli being one of the teams he does like. So that's something else to keep an eye on. Is is you know where he lands and what opportunity? What what team gives him the best opportunity to continue to grow and continue to be a great um great player because with the like torreira he could possibly go to a team like napoli play two or three years and at 24 25 make that next step to a say a barcelona or to an atletico madrid so sky's the limit for him as well there's he's probably one of the guys that um, you definitely want to keep an eye on in the summer uh, if he does make the world cup roster
0: yeah yeah i mean even if he doesn't but yeah there could be a lot of moving parts and the transfer window and the next guy his teammate uh david kovnashki i think as as you pronounced it better than i did the first time uh i think you know a little more polish so he's a, a polish hitman and been dubbed the next lewandowski
1: high praise right uh, those are some big boots to fill um I, I hey think, look you know- at look
0: at his minutes per goal ratio he's scoring every 70.3 minutes in seria He's hasn't played a lot so i think i don't know i believe the hype
1: no, I think he's. I think he's a fantastic talent. You know, one of the guys that I, I've been kind of closely watching, especially when he does come on. I, you know, one of my, one of the, um, you know, one of the Polish football experts I talked to, Kamil Rogolski, He's a wealth of knowledge of Polish football. Just is my quick shout out to him for you know some of the insight he's given me on some of these players because he's he's been pretty much praising Kownacki for a while, and you know I'm starting to see why he's been so high on him. Maybe the Lewandowski, the praise is a little high and a little too too big to fill, too big of a hype to fill right now, because again, he, as you just mentioned, he hasn't played that much for Samp, but when he does come on, you can see why there is, that there. you can see plenty to like in his game, and you wonder if, you know, I, I don't see, for me, I'm looking at the entire picture for, for Samp, I think he's obviously, he's going to stay for several years at Samp, but when you look at Cagliar, uh, Fabio Cagliolera, who's not really slowing down, Duvon Zapata is doing well, where he fits into that mold, so but if we're just talking about who he is as a player, he's a guy who is, again, a little bit more robust than a Lewandowski, but I think that could be something that, you know, he becomes a little bit more fit, a little bit more physical as he gets older and matures. He, he is a guy that has an eye for goal, a guy who who has improved over the years to link up play and to drive forward and, and, and you know, play, a, play a role in the final third as a, as a striker. But he is a flexible option that maybe, you know, Giampaolo can, you know, decide to play him alongside like a Zupata or a Quagliarella. And I think he, when you show off that versatility as a forward, it gives you options. It gives your, as you as a player a little bit more opportunity to break into a team like Samp who have a, quite a bit of young talent around him. So over the next year, year or two, I think you're going to start to see an uptick in minutes for Kalnowski. He's going to really be able to show who he is as a player. Now, I will say this. He was called up by Adam Navalka for the um, – Polish national team. They have a couple upcoming friendlies with Nigeria and South Korea. So, when you look at how him being called up with Milik, of course, the striker for Napoli, who's been pretty much that partner for Lewandowski at the national team, there's maybe a, a little bit of a window there that maybe perhaps Kaunaski could creep into the national team if Milik is not showing enough, um, you know, enough form over the next couple months. So, that's something to keep an eye on as well. Again, I think it's a little bit of a stretch. I think it's a long shot just because for the simple fact that. Kalinowski last summer played at the under 20 World Cup but you never know things could happen and if Kalinowski gets a little bit more minutes for for Samp maybe a a player goes down unfortunately and he gets the opportunity to shine maybe he winds up breaking into the national team for the World Cup but nonetheless he's a talent that we should definitely keep an eye on and um you know the Polish it's great to see uh, a lot of Polish players want to come to Italy to grow and take that next step and I think that's going to kind of continue to grow uh, continue to evolve excuse me
0: yeah, like, like you said, uh, maybe the comparisons from Lewandowski or to Lewandowski shouldn't be made so much, but he did come from Lech Poznan as well. And, you know, he's, like you said, he's a little more physical. I think that he's benefiting a lot from playing with Duven Zapata and Fabio Qualiarella, two very experienced strikers. You mentioned his vers- versatility and that 4-3-1-2 system. And, yeah, I think he's, when given the opportunity, he's going to score a lot of goals. So he's someone to watch in the future.
1: 100%. And a guy that, you know, we're starting to see this kind of, uh, this era of Polish football really be one of the more exciting in recent years. Again, the last time Poland qualified for the World Cup was 12 years ago, 2006. So this is going to be, the, the World Cup is going to be an interesting tournament to see, not just, you know, possibly a guy like Kaunowski play and, and get a little bit of an idea who he is, but you're going to really start to see some of these younger Polish players grow. And, and I think that's going to be, maybe, perhaps, see some of them in the next edition. But nonetheless, Kaunowski, uh, keep an eye on him. And, you know, all all signs point to him being a a pivotal piece for the uh, for the Polish national team moving forward.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly, and maybe even getting the armband one day from Lewandowski. He's the Poland U twenty one captain, so with nine goals and thirteen appearances, there he's shown he can lead by example from the front. Something that not a lot of managers always trust a striker to do, captain the side. But yeah, he kind of at Sampdoria replaced Patrick Schick, who moved on to as roma last summer after i mean i guess it's a loan move but they'll be buying him outright this summer and i think you mentioned the deal could rise to up to 42 million because that's just how how high they value him
1: yeah so there's a lot of different um clauses and things in his contract over the life of the of of the deal that would obviously raise that transfer fee um upwards of 42 million now obviously it's a steep price and especially for a younger player that that comes with a lot of pressure and a lot of um you know um I guess not pre- more than pressure, but you, the 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 it forces you to have to perform early and often, especially for a team like Roma, who you know were were nearly close to selling Dzeko, and people were saying, "Well, Shik is the next guy at 21, 22. That's a lot of that's that could be really that, that pressure come out, and it can really um, you know do some things to you mentally, um, especially when you're moving to such a big club like Roma. But again, everything we saw last year at Samp with Schick, you know, he checks off all the boxes you look for in a, um, in a striker, someone, a guy who can link up play guy is good with his feet. I think obviously we're starting to see that age of strikers who are just poachers and guys who just kind of roam the box slowly drift away. Again, some of them are still lingering around, but with everything that's happening tactically and all the evolutions with that players have to be able to link up, be able to pass, be an outlet for, for the buildup. And, and what we're seeing with Schick um, although he hasn't been able to score as many goals and really hasn't been able to get that mu- that much uh, playing time this year because of uh, injuries and of course Jekko is the main man, there's there's plenty of promise. There's plenty of um, plenty to like in him. He you know he is a guy that is not. I don't. I think he can play on the on, on as as a winger. He did play a little bit last year with Samp and on occasion this year with Roma. But he translates more as a central forward, or a striker, a guy who um, you know can can finishes chances in the box, can strike clinically from outside the box. And when you, when you see him play, he has this, it's certain, it's, he's not the quickest guy, but his movement, the way he gracefully, you know, is able to put himself in position for a shot and to try, you know, test the keeper. Those are certain things you kind of tend to gravitate towards. And he's a fantastic dribbler. And I, I just feel that, look, with all these injury, con- these, all these injuries, he's kind of been dealing with it at the entire season we obviously know what he dealt with in the Juve move that collapsed initially, but that led him to Roma. I think this year it's going to be tough to kind of see him jump out and really have a big impact for Roma. I think Roma are going to continue to go with Dzeko, and of course this is the only competition they're in. But look for next year to be a big breakout year for Schick and to really be a, um, a legitimate score guy who can maybe get 14 to 15 goals. I think he has a lot, a lot in him, a guy who still has plenty of room to grow and he definitely wants to mature, but also a guy who can make a difference right now.
0: Yeah, definitely. I think he just needs the chances and the goals will come because last year he had the highest conversion rate of any Serie A goal scorer who scored 10 or more times with 31.3%. So if he gets the chances, it's not like his techniques abandoned him. You mentioned he's a very technically skilled footballer, good dribbler, intelligent movement, good passer. And yeah, but I think he does need to be played centrally because his size can be uh, a positive for his team if, if he's deployed as a target man.
1: Yeah, definitely. I I, I think his his future lies centrally. A guy who you know not is gonna is not gonna just specifically roam the box. Again, a guy who can move around, a guy who can link up play, who who can you know finish those difficult chances, and also you know not be a detriment to tact detriment to the team tactically. You know we've seen that some you know over the past couple of years with you know with Milan, if you will, with Baca. and, and of course this year Kainich has been pretty pretty slow and kind of slows things down and kind of you know. Is really more of a a negative to the team than anything else in terms of the buildup. So when you look at a guy like Schick, he's got that room to grow. He's going to continue to you know get the minutes at Roma because they spent so much on him. So it's going to be fascinating to see how he grows from this year to next. But again, you know he's a guy with plenty of promise in a Czech football, a Czech Republic footballer that you know it's he's got a lot a lot of hype around him including several others like Jakub Janto um, and Antonin Barak at Udenese. So for, if you're a Czech Republic fan, there's plenty to like with the national team. And I think you know, next year is that one year where shit can break out and start to really solidify himself as, as one of the main, uh, main men with, uh, with Roma.
0: Yeah, definitely. He he does have a lot of promise and and for all those reasons that you mentioned. Uh, another guy that's actually not playing in Serie A anymore and he's very young. He's going to be one to watch for the long future and that's Pietro Pellegri. He's still only 16. I guess next week he's going to be turning 17. So there will probably be some shout outs going out on the scouted football account for the AS Monaco attacker. They brought him in this January for 21 million euros, um, basically using the money they got from Guido Carrizo, going to Southampton. And yeah, this guy made his debut in Serie A at 15 years and 280 days old. So Matt, why is this guy so special?
1: He's, I, I compared him to like the, the striker version of Donnarumma, a guy who's so young, he has a little bit of like that baby face to him. But at 16 years old, the guy's like six three, six four. It's it's ridiculous to see some of how some of these kids are growing. I don't know what they're putting in the food there or, <laughs> or the vino there. But um, you know, he's a guy that you know, you when you look at him, he hasn't gotten a lot of minutes, you know, over the past couple of years, you know, with Geno, of course. But he is a guy that you know has been getting plenty of attention again for his size and much like Moisey Kane, a, a guy who promises to be a pivotal piece for the national team again. 16, 17 years old. They got plenty of room to grow. They got plenty of years ahead of them. So to think about making a senior team appearance is kind of – it's on the back burner right now, in my, my opinion, and I don't think it's going to come that soon for Because just because, again, Pelotti, Immobile is still pretty young. Cutrone is still there as well. But Pellegri, when you look at him, a guy who – he's physical. He's strong. He's – and for, for someone so young to see some of these things – those bode well for his future, a guy who can last in a physical league, a guy who can finish in, in the final third, and a guy who what we all look for is a guy who can continue to grow, who's not, you know, this is not his ceiling. He's a guy that, you know, with a, maybe a, a better supporting cast around him, again, Genoa compared to Monaco, there's obviously a big difference there. Not to mention the fact that Monaco, um, they do quite well with uh developing young guys and then selling them obviously Mbappe is one of them and of course we've heard about Thomas Lamar who could possibly be leaving as well so get an idea of what system Monaco has and the success they have with younger players and I think that's why Pellegri chose them over Juve is the system works in favor of him and his future more than anything else Juve tend to loan out their younger players whereas Monaco give that opportunity give that platform for younger players to shine and they're not afraid to play the younger players obviously Mbappe was a star last year so Again, it, that's, it, it's a, when we look at certain young footballers, everyone tends to look at who they are as a player. They'll do YouTube videos and things like that. but you got to have the environment. obviously, Jack, you know that's major for a player to grow and if, if you can get to an environment that has a proven track record of, of moving guys to the system and moving them onto a bigger team and to you know for big money, Pellegri is one of those guys that sure enough it seems to be fitting that mold again, a guy great finisher you know he actually scored on the um the last match day he had scored on toti day last year great finish ran the ball down the down the right flank was able to fend off a defender to show off his strength and get his um his first Serie A goal so you know all things considered for for Plegger although he is injured he's going to be a, a main guy for Monaco moving forward and the guy who's going to get that opportunity to play and showcase what he can do
0: yeah like you like you were saying about a lot of these guys next year is really going to be their year following this summer they're Really on the come up, I mean, you look at the handbook over the past couple of years, we've profiled a lot of guys that are still only maybe 21 or 22 now. So it's like we couldn't do them again. So we got to move to these guys that are even younger. And I think that that 21 million euros fee that Monaco paid, that's just for the future. They wanted to get Pietro Pellegrini on their books before he could go somewhere else. And you mentioned their academy being kind of a, a flip this player marketplace, um, maybe a step up on the food chain from Sampdoria because they're playing with bigger money there. But yeah, you mentioned him playing for Italy in the future, played significantly for the U16s and U17s, and he's already playing with the Italy U19 team. So that's that's going to bode well for him. we will give him plenty of time to develop, and I think a lot of that learning will come from working with Falcao on a daily basis.
1: Oh, 100%. Again, we just talked about it, you know, being around that veteran presence, the guy who can kind of show you the ropes, show you how how to play in a certain league and how to... Even if he picks up a couple different things, you know where to be in in certain cases, how to, you know, do this, do that on the training ground. That's such invaluable experience, or such valuable experience that we clearly can't quantify in the modern game. And when you look at, you know, get as I said, as I just said, when you look at, you know, the way the market's going for younger players, teams are realizing that you know what, we got to spend the money on these younger guys before they blow up and before they cost us triple what we can spend on them. And I think that's Pallegri is one of those guys where you know, if he, let's say, for example, became a starter at Genoa, maybe next year, the year after, now all of a sudden he starts scoring goals. Now his, his value goes higher and Monaco may not be, be able to afford him because obviously they don't spend a ton of money on players. They are more of the buy flip type of model of, of, of business. So again, that when you see a 16 year old, a 17 year old, and those type of guys move for big money, it's not surprising anymore. And I think it's more about it's an investment that you could wind up reaping the benefits down the line. And I think with Palegri, again, a guy who's 16, 17, even if he stays three, four years in, at Monaco. Yeah, he's, then
0: he's only 20.
1: He's only 20 years old. He grows into a, a first-team player, a guy who may at that point may even have national team experience with the Azzurri. He could even choose to go back to Italy. Let's say, you know, Juve or, or Inter or Napoli or one of those teams need a striker. Now he can come make that move back as a more refined, more finished product. So, Palegri was thinking more about you know his development as a player than anything else, and more than you know more about how he can grow than how he can grow his bank account. Um, although he is getting paid quite, quite handsomely, I think he's actually getting paid one million euro per uh, per season. That probably um, just I'm buys gonna,
0: you a one bedroom flat in Monaco. Although I don't know if he's not going to have enough to enjoy it. He needs a yacht so he can. Otherwise, all his teammates are going to make fun of him. You know.
1: <laughs> and I will say this: for a sixteen-year-old to be. Um, you know, making one million euro a year, I think he's doing quite well for himself. And again, one of those guys that has a bright future, and Italians are very excited about.
0: Yeah, and his idol is Slatin Ibrahimovic. So, I mean, he's he's got the a big frame. Maybe not as is he as tall as Slatan? I guess I'm not sure.
1: Yeah, he. I mean, he's he's like a six three six four type kid. I mean, it's it's crazy to think that a guy who's six three six four at sixteen. Is is not done. Great. He's not done maturing yet. He, you know, he's still kind of going through puberty. So who knows how tall this kid can get, and you know what that will do for his game. But again, one who's very exciting to watch. And you know, when we're looking at sixteen year olds here, Jack. I mean, who are you guys going to cover in the next handbook? A fourteen year old, 15? <laughs>
0: 15? Yeah, yeah. Seriously, I'm just, we're just going to have to email the clubs and say who's the best players in your academy, because you know, or how do we find a stream of this? What's the the U, uh the UEFA? Do they have a tournament younger than like the WHO 18s or whatever? I don't know.
1: You're going to have to get Steven to scout some games down there while he's in uh while he's abroad. Yeah. Yeah. Now that
0: he's, he's in the, in the spot in England. So another shout out to Steve. So, um, yeah, I think that's, that's pretty much all we got for you today, Matt. I want to thank you so much for joining us and everyone definitely go and follow Matt Sentential. If you're not already doing so on Twitter, you've probably seen his work with Italian football daily, uh, writing at these footy times, um also working with gentleman ultra and the ac milan bros as well as the guardian and Esproma. so yeah matt's done a lot of stuff and we just want to thank him for his calcio expertise in the third scouted football handbook as well as for joining us today thanks matt
1: thanks for having me on jack appreciate it
0: yeah anything else you've been working on anything else you want me to plug for you
1: there's some things coming down the pipeline um i don't want to give out too much hints most of the things that i tend to do or tend to be working on i share on twitter so if you're not following me again it's at matt underscore santangelo anything i'm doing anything i'm working on anything that i'm um, stirring up uh, i will definitely share with you guys there and um Again, yeah, thanks for, thanks for having me on.
0: Yeah, so get on that, follow Matt, download the handbook, as he said. Uh, I don't know if why you'd be listening to us if you hadn't done that already. It'd be kind of surprising. But anyway, thanks for listening. Thanks to Matt. We'll see you next time on Scout It Says.